Well, please keep your Bibles open at uh, uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. Just while you're turning there once again, um, just to say a couple of things about my uh, uh, time on beach missions and a couple of things I didn't say in the chairman's report the other day. Um, having Trevor Knight stand by me just a few minutes ago reminded me to remind you uh, about young life. If you can get involved in what Werner Wright used to call the winter work of UBM, a YL branch, there is one near you. If you can get involved in that through the year, do you know that would be a tremendous help on the teams next year because the things you learn at YL uh, are so often the things you need to be able to do in the, uh, in the work on the beaches. So let me encourage the young ones to pray about and really get behind the work of young life. Now on the UBM team at La Pan this year, we had four people from Egypt all the way from Egypt to come to Belgium. It's a long story how they got there, but of course for our sandcastling competition, we didn't make sandcastles. What do you think we made? We made pyramids, that's right, you see, because we had the Egyptians there who were the experts on that. And the, the funniest quip that was made to me this summer was by Steve, Steve Wright. Now, when you get to your mid-50s, the ones who are 50-plus will know about this, you start to have all sorts of tests blood tests and this tests and the other tests. And Steve was telling me about his tests. And he's been on the treadmill. And uh, he said, I was ever so pleased when the doctors told me that they'd found a lawyer with a heart. It was still beating me. <laughs> so, uh, so that was the funniest thing I heard. But, uh, you know, we're going to be looking today at the, the, uh, the challenge that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, gives us in his word. Now, the best book I know on discipleship, which we're thinking about, cross-centered discipleship, is this one. It's True Discipleship by William MacDonald. We're not selling because it's the Lord's Day. We don't sell on the Lord's Day. But for the uh, any, this, uh, I've only got one copy, by the way, and I'd like to make it a gift to any person here who promises to read it and pray it through when you get uh, you know, uh, back into uh, your home life and situation, to read this book and pray it through. And I'll be praying that God will really make this a blessing to you. Through discipleship and the other writings of William MacDonald that have influenced this movement uh, so very much. So I'll leave that there for anyone who will uh, take up the book and pray it through at the end. Now, uh, let's pray once again, shall we, before we come to, to God's word. And think about cross-centered discipleship. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. And we thank you so much for your Son. That you gave him for us. The likes of him, the only one, uh, God and man, given for us, sinners and rebels. What a wonderful message. And we thank you for him. And Lord, we pray as we read his word and we think about his words. Lord, we ask that the Son of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would come into our midst and take these words, Lord, and bless them to each of our hearts, speaker and hearer alike, that we might be the better for you. We pray, Lord, for the teaching from the UBM platform, not just today, but going forward into the future. The stand of this movement, may it be a stand, Lord, on the cross, for the cross, living for the cross, making Jesus, his cross, 
his resurrection, making him the main thing. We pray for that, Lord. We ask that you'd keep our movement there. And we ask now, Lord, that you'd keep him there in our midst. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, this is a passage, by the way, that occurs three times in the Gospels. It's a passage that you get in Matthew and in Mark uh, chapter 8 and in Luke chapter 9. And in each of the passages, the format is exactly the same. There's one saying that we've read today, which occurs six times, actually, in total through uh, the Holy Scripture and uh, through the Gospels. So it's extremely important. But three times we get these words from the lips of the Son of God, that we should be those who come after him and take up our, deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. Now, just to put that in context, um, when did this happen? Well, this happened when the disciples had realized who Jesus was. And that's why we began reading at verse 20. Um, Peter had made his famous confession. He said, who do men say that I am? And of course, the masses don't know who Jesus Christ really is. But this is the distinguishing teaching from Christianity and all the other religions. They are men. He is God. They are dead. He is alive. They will rise to meet him when he comes as judge and king of kings and lord of lords. Big difference. The disciples had started to realize who Jesus really is. And that's why we began reading at verse 20. He charged his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Peter had confessed him as the son of the living God. Therefore, this passage of discipleship is in that context that um, we need to realize, again, who Jesus really is. Now, we were in the speaker's corner for the Christian answer. Let me encourage you, again, some of those missions are only three days long. You can go on your beach mission in the summer and fit one of those in, you know, without feeling it too, too, too badly. And they're really wonderful at times. Queen's Diamond Jubilee. I think we've got a great queen, do you? Uh, there's lots of positives about having a monarch. Can you imagine if the queen was crucified or put on a cross or spat at or stripped and put up by the side of the road? Wow, it's such a horrific thought, isn't it? And yet that's what we're talking about when we're talking about King of kings and the Lord of lords. He who is God eternal. 100% God, 100% man. The Christ. And he's on the cross. Wow, that is our faith, uh, friends. From that time forth, Jesus began to show his disciples. He speaks about the cross. How that he must go to Jerusalem. He must suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. This is the first time he speaks again 
and he speaks again and he tells them how he must be spat on and beaten and mocked and the disciples can't take it in they just realize him he's Christ one of them said he's the son of God and now the cross it's just too much for their minds and in fact Peter it's possible Peter was older than Jesus 33 it's possible Peter was a little older and Did he try and patronize him as he comes alongside and says, come, come, Lord, be it far from you. You see, the flesh doesn't like the cross. And Peter tries to dissuade Jesus from the cross. And Jesus uses the sternest words that he uses to anybody. And it's to one of his chief disciples. Get thee behind me, Satan. There must be a cross. And of course, without a cross, none of us would be here. Uh, None of us will be in heaven. The cross of Jesus is where that place where he took our sin upon himself. As we've sang this morning, he was made sin, made the sin offering. He took the wrath of God. He attracted it like a magnet attracts iron filings. He attracted the wrath of God upon himself. He was cursed. The Bible says the curse of God fell upon the Lord Jesus Christ. God cursed of God in order that curse might never fall on you and I. And upon that cross, all of our sins were laid. And when we come to faith, all of his goodness is laid on us. What an exchange. This is the cross. And that's what Jesus speaks about but that was his cross he then goes on to talk about their cross and as he talks to them he's talking about your cross and my cross because we read these words in verse 24 Jesus said to his disciples if any man will come after me Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. These are the terms of cross-centered discipleship from the Son of God himself. These terms are addressed to all his disciples. Did you notice that? Uh, He said to his disciples... Uh, One of the other Gospels, I think it's Mark, says he looked upon the crowd and his disciples. And Luke says it's to his disciples. In other words, this is to all who are following or listening and especially to his disciples. Point being this. There's not two classes of Christians. The super spiritual who take up the cross and the rest. In your CU, there's not just the ordinary members and the exec. In your church, there's not just the ones who come along on a Sunday and the ministers or the deacons or whoever. No, this is to all. All Christians, Jesus says, if you're a Christian, if you're going to be my disciple, there has to be, has to be a cross. He says to his disciples, if any man, will come after me. 
So we're going to look this, uh, this afternoon at the three terms of cross-centered discipleship. Three terms before us today. And uh, the first one is this. Deny himself. Deny himself. The second one is this. Take up the cross. And the third one is follow me. And look at those three in turn today. First one then, deny himself. By the way, in each of these there's a misunderstanding. And the first misunderstanding is this. Denying yourself is not self-denial. Denying yourself is not self-denial. By self-denial, what do I mean? Well, self-denial is when you go on a diet. By the way, some of us do need to do that, by the way, but that's not what he's talking about here. Denying, self-denial is when you miss this or you miss that or you forego some bodily or physical pleasure. Now, discipleship may involve that, but actually... Denial of self is much more than self-denial. Uh, How can we illustrate this? Well, that word deny, do you know where that comes again in Scripture? Peter denied Jesus three times. Same word. He repudiated him. He said, I don't know this man. And with oaths and curses, he disassociated himself from Jesus Christ. And that's the word that's used here. When we deny ourselves, we are disassociating ourselves from our sinful past. Yes, but our sinful present, our sinful nature. We're saying no to that side of our being denying self you see in each one of you and in myself in each person there are in each christian there are two natures you know that don't you there's an old man and a new man there's the new nature and there's the old sinful nature sometimes the bible uses the word flesh and you see uh, whichever nature you, you, you feed is going to get stronger. Did you hear about the story of the man who had two dogs? And he just kept giving the meat to one. And the other one, he starved. And which one do you think got stronger? Well, the one he fed. It got stronger and stronger. And the other one got weaker and weaker and more feeble and more feeble. And you know, when we deny ourselves we are we're not feeding the flesh we're starving it out we're weakening it we're feed, we're making enfeebling it when we feed the new nature and do those things which are spiritual we are strengthening that side of our being and so when jesus says we must deny ourselves we will not feed those fleshly sinful Desires that are in us. Starve them out. What do you allow yourselves to read? You need to starve the flesh of sinful things. To watch. Sites to visit on the internet. There's things that we should not see. We need, don't need to know. We're not to know. We should starve the old man. Starve the flesh. 
And instead, let's feed the Spirit. Are you a Christian reader? Do you read Christian books? You should. I've tried to make it my uh, ambition this year to read a book a month. I have to say, I do fall behind. But when I fall behind, I pick a thin one for the next month so I can catch up. But the point is this. What you put in your mind, you know, comes out in the life. And we need to be those who starve the flesh. Let's starve this dog inside of us. And let's feed the spirit. Keep the spiritual side going. Denying self. But actually, it's further than that. You see, the second one of the terms of cross-centered discipleship is this. Take up his cross. Take up his cross. You see, um, we've not just got to starve the flesh. We've got to kill the flesh. Alan prayed about killing the sin. Jesus spoke about cutting off the arm and plucking out the eye. These are ruthless measures. Take up the cross. Now, by the way, there's a misunderstanding here. Some people think, have you ever heard someone say, we all have our cross to bear? Have you heard that? And they talk about maybe a bad back or, um, I don't know, a difficult boss or, or something like that. Difficult relationship, something. We all have our cross to bear. That is not what Jesus means. Accepting difficult circumstances is sometimes part of the Christian life. Humbling ourselves under God's mighty hand. That's not what he means here. The cross is something Jesus says we have to voluntarily take up. We have to want to take up the cross just like Jesus took it up. He said these words, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of myself. And in a similar way, he wants us so thrilled with what he's done for us on the cross, so enraptured by the man who loved me and gave himself for me, that I'll take it up. I'll do it, Lord. Because you love me, I'll take up that cross and I'll follow you and I'll put to death this sinful self. Now, the cross, of course, we in our 21st century culture and after 2,000 years of church history, we have sanitized it and uh, made it into an ornament and, and other things. And I'm not really speaking against that now. I'm really saying that the cross to the hearers was nothing like the cross that may hang around someone's neck or in a, a chapel or a church somewhere. The cross to those people who heard this was absolutely horrific. And you read the accounts that the Roman uh, historians talked about the cross. Uh, awful scenes of suffering and of death. We never read of anyone who survived the cross in the scripture. People went on the cross and they died an agonizing and a terrible death. It was horrific. And of course, the first thing about the cross, it is an instrument uh, of death, the means of capital punishment. Jesus says, if anyone comes after me, we have to take up the cross, die to sin in the past and die to self in the present. And uh, 
the cross then. We not only deny the the flesh, but we crucify the flesh. Turn with me to that verse in uh, Galatians. Keep your fingers in uh, Matthew 16. But um, Paul gives a list of the works of the flesh. And he says uh, these. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery. It's going to be out. It's got to be dead, friends. It's got to be on the cross. Uh, fornication. Sex before marriage. Pornography. Same root word. It's got to be on the cross. Uncleanness. Things which are unclean. The dirty jokes, the other things, the dirty books, the dirty films. It's got to be, friends, on the cross. Lascivious and over-desire. Idolatry, things that come between me and the one who loved me and gave himself for me. Witchcraft, hatred, uh, variance, emulations, anger, strife. Let's be those who make peace and not those who make strife. Seditions, heresies, wrong ideas about God, lies about God. Envyings, murders, drunkenness. It's got to be on the cross. Revelings, orgies, parties, all those other unclean things that go on there. Of the like of which I tell you before, as I've also told you in time past, those which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus said so much because he said if we live our lives, he who seeks to save his life will lose it. We've got to get on the cross. Otherwise, we lose our lives. And those who have these things, the works of the flesh in them, they need to repent and put those things on the cross to be cleansed from them and delivered from them. And the verse 24 sums it all up. Those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and its lusts. And when you saw a man carrying his cross in first century Palestine, you knew he was going to die. He had no further plans for this world. He was going to die. And, you know, as, as, we, as we look at ourselves as Christians, uh, we need to realize we're going to die to sin and die to self. We're going to be on the cross with Jesus. And that's uh, that's the meaning of this thing. We've got to take up the cross, not only deny ourselves, but put ourselves to death. The cross was an instrument of death. The cross was scandalous, by the way. Absolutely, it was a total scandal. And one of the things the Greeks and the Jews who Paul preached to couldn't understand, to one they thought it foolish that we should speak of God on the cross, a crucified God, and the others, it was a total scandal that God should be on the cross. Yet that is the gospel in which we glory. The cross was scandalous. And of course, if we're a Christian, sometimes we have not... We, people may laugh at us. People may regard it scandalous. People may regard it shameful. We've got to be prepared to, be, to take that uh, for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be willing to be thought a fool for Christ's sake. The cross was public. Jesus' death was by the side of a busy road at Passover time when there were 
thousands of people in Jerusalem and he was by the side of the road on the cross, possibly naked, covered in his own blood, the spittle of men, shameful, scandalous, public. And you know, sometimes we have to be public in our witness for him. When we're baptized, we're publicly declaring, identifying with his death and witnessing uh, to him. And of course, we need to confess with our mouth, don't we? That's what Beach Missions is about. We're confessing to others that we're Christians and telling them we're identifying with him in a public way. And it's part of taking up the cross. This message of the cross must be told and it must be lived by us. And of course, the cross was final. You didn't come off the cross. You died on the cross. And cross-centered discipleship is a life commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. 619 of Galatians, uh, Paul says these words. Uh, sorry, 614. God forbid that I should glory or boast, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified to me and I unto the world. Paul's attitude to the world, not how near can I get to it, what am I allowed to do? It was, no, I'm... That's, I'm crucified to that. The world put Jesus on the cross. Satan put Jesus on the cross. My sins put Jesus on the cross. I want nothing to do with those things. That should be our attitude. The world is crucified to me and I unto the world. So the three terms, deny himself, take up the cross. What's the third one? And follow me. To walk as Jesus walked. We missed out some verses before in Galatians because in verse 22 there's a but. Works of the flesh are there and we put them to death. But, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith or faithfulness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Now, there's another misunderstanding here. A lot of people believe, if I do these things, I'll be a Christian. If I do these things, I'll be a Christian. But actually, it's not by doing these things we be a Christian. In fact, we can't do these things unless we're Christians. We need to be born again by the Holy Spirit. And then the fruit of the Spirit grows in our life, inevitably. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, three aspects of that fruit which are Godward. Before I became a Christian, I didn't love God. I didn't have any joy thinking about God. I didn't have peace with God. When I became a Christian, I started to love the Lord. I was at peace with Him, and I was happy to be with Christians. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace towards God. The fruit of the Spirit is manward. There is uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering. We can love one another. We can bear with one another. Gentleness, kindness, and uh, goodness. We're good and kind to one another. We love God. We love our neighbor when we're Christian. And not only 
God and my neighbor, but inside my heart, he makes me faithful. He gives me meekness and temperance, the ability to control myself. You see, when we become a Christian, we get a new nature, the spiritual nature, and we follow Christ. Do you know, when it talks about the Holy Spirit in Ephesians a little bit later on, Paul commands us as Christians to be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? It means to yield. It means to give up, give place to the Holy Spirit. The illustration is of drunkenness. It says, don't be drunk with wine. Anyone who's drunk with wine, they can't walk straight. They can't talk straight. And they can't think straight. But when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we walk in the right way. We talk in the right way. And we think in the right way. And being filled with the Spirit is giving yourself to God and asking him to fill you with himself. Let me ask you a question. Have you done that? Lord, here am I. Take me and empty me of myself and fill me with yourself. Tozer would say, any one of us is as full of the Spirit as we want to be. In other words, it's a matter uh, we're not limited by the Holy Spirit. We're limited by our yield, willingness to be yielded to him and to give him control. God wants you to be like Christ. That's his destiny for you. We sung about that in the third verse. Help us grasp the heights of your plans for us. And God wants you to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. That's your destiny. That's my destiny. And to achieve it, he himself, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, lives within us by the Spirit, and he will achieve his mission. He who has begun a good work in you will carry it on till that day when Jesus comes back. That's your destiny, to follow Christ and to be led by the Spirit to be more like him each day. Do you know, the cross is essential. The cross on which Jesus died is essential to your salvation. The cross that we take up is essential to be a disciple of him. Because Jesus said these words, if any man will uh, take up Come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever will save his life, if you don't take up the cross, she'll lose it. And whoever will lose his life for my sake, shall find it. That is the saying that comes six times in the Gospels. We save our life, no cross, no crown. We give our life, we take up the cross, we follow him. We nail the flesh, we follow him, then the crown. You see, these verses go on to speak about the cross, but also the reward of following Christ. Those who love the Lord, who win many to righteousness, shall be like the stars and shine forever and ever at his coming on that final resurrection day.
Let me close with a saying from William MacDonald's book. Um, In his opening chapter, The Terms of Discipleship, he says this. True Christianity is an all-out commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Savior is not looking for men and women who will give their spare evenings to him, or their weekends, or their years of retirement. Rather, he seeks those who will give him the first place in their lives. Brothers, sisters, is it you? Are you willing to deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow him who loved us and took up his cross to save us? The challenge of cross-centered discipleship. May the Lord help us to give him his place that he deserves. Amen.